going to match your words one of these days. Amen. We've been talking about Jesus. What a powerful name it is. And I'm just going to, we're just going to bask in that name today. Going to believe on his name. Amen. I love that song. Well, we sang it today. I didn't know they were going to sing it, but I'm glad they sang it. What a powerful name it is. There is no other name. There is no equal to him. And the name, that power has been invested in that name. And when you say that name with boldness, there is not a more powerful word. Now, I know it's a name, but I mean, there's not a powerful word that you can formulate out of your mouth in the name of Jesus. I know when we started this four weeks ago, you know, I, I told you it was no other name. Well, I'll show you a scripture on that in just a minute. One of the first scriptures we looked at was that when we called on that name, the Bible says, all who call upon that name shall be saved. That was the name that brought you out of Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom. So why would you think it wouldn't get you a little bit more, see? If you called on the name of Jesus and it caused you to be rebirthed out of Satan's family into God's family, then why would you think that the name of Jesus wouldn't get you healed and right and all the characteristics? Because, you know, we talk about that word deserving. You'll hear people say this a lot of times, you know, I don't want what I deserve. I only want, and I understand that. There is nothing that we deserve based on our merit. But God doesn't do things based on our merit. He's never done anything based on your merit. He's never said anything. He's ne- God's never made a promise based on mine or your merit. That's right. He's never done that. So, so what is this deserving thing? Let, let me give you, a, uh, let, let me give you a, a story. I'm just going to make it up now. This is a made-up story, okay? But let me just give you a story, and I want you to think with me and kind of move into the story with me just a little minute and lean in a little bit like, like Joel said. Just stretch. You know, if somebody was trying to rescue, if you, if you, were, sinking in, <laughs> if you were sinking in quicksand, now, I mean, you're going down for the count. So much quicksand. Think back to the Tarzan movies. Go back to Tarzan. And you're sinking in that quicksand. And you're about up to here, boy, and you're about to go. And somebody is trying to hold on to something solid, a tree back here. Susan, reach out to me now. You're not, she's not paying attention. But that's, look now, you can't. All right, look now, and I, I'm, I've got a girl holding on this tree now. And, and if I can't get her, now, do you think she's going to just kind of hold her hand out like this? We got, a, we got about... Looks like we got about two and a half feet here, two feet, or maybe a foot and a half, 18 inches. Well, look, she's stretching, see. And a lot of people, and the things, when it comes to things of God, just come and get me. Lean into him a little bit. Stretch into him. And I want you to stretch into this story just a minute. Let's just say that, and I'm making this story up, but let's just say there was a family, and this man and his wife, and this was a multi-million. This man had millions and millions, maybe even a billion dollars. And he had lands and he had properties and he had things that he had worked honestly for and he'd acquired it all these years. And he had a, had a daughter, had a son, and uh, had, had just, you know, done all this building up something for them because he grew up without anything and he just built all this up for them. And, and then when he died, he had it all in his will now to go to his daughter and his son and, you know, other things to his church and ministry. Don't ever forget your church. Amen. 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 Come on. Amen. He had all this planned out, you know, all this planned out. But when he died, the lawyer that was going to probate all that for him and do that for him said, well, you know, I've got some children that have needs myself. And rather than get that to them, I'm going to work it in a, in a kind of connive it away in a little bit, get it over in a way where I can get it for my children and do it for my seed. And my, my daughter, my sister's daughter, she's got needs and I'm going to get it for them and don't really have anything left for, for these two. Now, would that be right? No. Well, I could ask you the question in the court of law, who deserves the inheritance of the man? The heirs do. Based on what they've done or how they've done? No. 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 Based on their birthright, they deserve it. 
Now, you don't deserve anything from heaven based on your merit. That's right. Amen. But you deserve everything based on your birthright. So don't go around and say, I don't deserve this. Just, just clarify it. You don't have to. I understand what you're trying to say, but clarify it. I don't deserve anything on merit, but I deserve everything based on birthright. I just happen to be a daughter of the Most High God. I happen to be a son of the Most High God. Everything the Father has is mine. I know I don't deserve it naturally. A son or a daughter might say that. I know I don't deserve all that wealth that Daddy left, but you know, I, I get it by birthright. Bless God, I was born in the family. And that's where you've been born, into the family of God. Amen. Everything belongs to us by birthright. Amen. Well, in the name of Jesus is what brings that, that treasure. I know I said that to you last week. The name of Jesus is like a treasure just waiting to be opened up because everything in the kingdom. In fact, when God swore to Jesus the name, and I'll, I'll read, if we have time today, we'll get into Hebrews chapter 1, where Jesus actually obtained his name through the inheritance, but it actually the way it was is when God raised, remember last week we were talking about Jesus went through three days and three nights of hell for us? Amen. And when the eternal courts of justice were satisfied, that's one of the last statements I made to you last Sunday, when the eternal courts of justice was satisfied that sin was paid for, it was atoned, it was, it was good enough, the price was paid after three days and three nights, God raised Jesus up from the dead in the pit of hell, and that's where Jesus defeated every demon by conquest. Yes, amen took all the weapons in which Satan and all the demons of hell trusted, took them into his own hand, took the keys that, that he had, the devil had stolen off of Adam 6,000 years earlier, at that time, 4,000 years earlier, stole them, had stolen from Adam. Jesus took them by conquest and came and gave them back to the body of Christ. Amen. Well, when he did that, now before he could present himself to you, giving you these wonderful things, mm -hmm. then he had to present himself first to the Father. Right. Remember when he first picked it, he came up out of hell. He picked the first thing he did is went into the tomb. He picked up his body. His body was resurrected after three days and three nights. And the first person he saw, now he hasn't yet went to father yet to present himself and get what we're going to find God said and gave to him in Hebrews chapter one. But what he did was when he was raised up, he picked up his body in the tomb and there was Mary looking for his body and where have they taken him? And she's crying and she said, Mary. And she thought he was the gardener. Not the gardener, but thought he was the caretaker of the, of the cemetery, you know, we'd say like that. And she said, please, sir, if you've taken his body somewhere, just tell me where it's at and I'll go get it. You know, I, I don't want you to do anything or let anybody degrade his body or do things wrong. You know, let me just go give him a proper burial if you've done something. And he said, Mary. And she recognized that voice yeah. and went to grab him. Remember that? She was just going to grab him and hug him. You would be the same way. Oh, Jesus, you're alive. And went to grab him. And he said, no, no, no. He said, don't touch me yet. Because I've got to present myself first before you can receive me, Mary. I've got to get Father to accept what I've done. So he said, he said first, I've got to take my blood. Now, I know he didn't say this to her, but this is what he was talking about. I've got to go and to my Father and your Father. Amen. I've got to present my blood as the atoning blood in the high heavens, the courts of heaven itself. Cleanse the heavenly utensils of worship. Be pronounced. And you're going to find out that God actually pronounced Jesus as God. Right pronounced him as God and gave him a name that's above every name. Yes, amen. And then he could come back to the earth and then he could he began to preach that he spent 40 days and 40 nights with his disciples. But he had to go first appear before Father and come back then, teach his disciples for 40 days and 40 nights after his resurrection and then he was resurrected. Amen. Away. Praise God. Amen. And it's a powerful thing because it's all the beauty and all the glory of heaven is wrapped up in that one name. Come on. Amen. There's not another yes. name yes. 
That'll get, I know yet last week we, we talked about a blank checkbook. Remember that with all the checks signed Amen. on all the account of heaven? You've got blank checks. Well, that's what the name of Jesus is. And every time you use the name of Jesus, you're taking a check. You have the right to fill it out. Whatsoever you ask in my name, you fill out what you want. It. This is for my healing in the name of Jesus. This is for my new car because I got to have a car, Lord. You know, I got to have an automobile to get back and forth to work. This is my new car in the name of Jesus. This is for my family saved. I'm not going to have one left behind. Everybody's coming in in Jesus' name, signed in the name of Jesus. It's all blank checks with the name, the signature on it. If you use that name, all you've got to do is fill in the blanks. That's a powerful thing. Well, for four weeks, we've used this as our foundational text, but let's look at it again. When God raised Jesus from the dead, we spent a lot of time with this Philippians chapter 2 area, and it got us down to verse 9 and 10 again, but it's, we talked about it when Jesus was raised from the dead. This is when this name was conferred upon him. So because God had raised him from the dead, because he paid the price, this is previous verses before verse 9. We read it last week. You've got to get that CD. It's out there on the table. Amen. He said, wherefore, because of all that, God also has highly exalted Jesus. Now, this is resurrection right here. He's highly exalted him and given him what? A name which is above every name. That at that name, that at that name. See, if you don't voice the name, that's like bringing a check that's not been signed. You, you sign the check by voicing the name. And so when you use the name, said at that name, every knee should bow. Everything that you deal with has to humble itself and just cower down. I don't care if it's some devil operating in some person. I don't care if it's some disease that's been passed down from one generation to the next generation and the same thing going on with you. You have every right to take that name and drive that thing out. Amen. That every name that is named, that name is Jesus is above every name that is named. At that name, every knee shall bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth are all three realms of existence, heaven, earth, and hell demonic spirits, angelic spirits, human spirits, everything on this planet, all the goods, all the wealth, everything you find on this earth is subject to that name. Every demon that you'll ever run into is subject to that name. Every angel that you ever encounter is subject to that name. But if you don't, how many of you know you don't do a whole lot with an unsigned check? Sometimes people give checks and, and if they forget to sign them, Unless the bank's just got some kind of, you know, know who you are, and that's not easy to do nowadays because you got now you got out of state banks owning local banks and people that don't know you sometimes, and that don't work so well. You know, sometimes they'll say, "Oh, well, they normally give a church to check," so they they'll go ahead and let that go by. But most time, if you ever had that, you've had it returned. Said, "I'm sorry, you forgot to sign your check," because it's not good till it has the proper signature, and you've got to sign that name on your check, the name of Jesus. Amen to that. This means, now look at the scripture again. God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name, that at that name every knee shall bow. What that means is because of what that name Jesus carries, Jesus is the most powerful name in the universe. It's the most important name in the universe. Think about that. Jesus' name is the most important name in all the universe. Well, now, if it's the most important name, then it really shouldn't be so necessary that you and I learn other names. If the name of Jesus trumps it, I don't need to know the name of diseases. Have you ever, you ever noticed the names, the, you know, that Latin name and whatever that doctors give to diseases? And doctors understand a lot of that. I understand that. But preachers don't need to understand that. I don't, I don't need to know what long name that is. All I need to know is the name that is above it. That's right. That's the name of Jesus. 
You know, the doctor said, I have the itchy gitchy uchi moochy disease. Itchy gitchy, oh, well, all you know, all you need is the name of Jesus to overcome that. The Jesus' name is the most important name. So it's not necessary that I learn other names. And if the name of Jesus is the most powerful name of all names, then I need not fear any other name. Doesn't matter what name. Now, you have to be careful that the world names, because they're always trying to name you, because if the devil can get you named, he can control you. You're only controlled by names. That's why you, don't, you just don't call me that. Don't call me broke. Don't call me busted. Don't call me sick. Don't call me anything. Only call me what the word of God says. Because the name of Jesus is the most powerful name, then we don't need to fear any other name. We don't need to trust any other name. Don't put your trust in some bank called trust. Put your trust in the name of Jesus. Most powerful name. Say it with me. Say Jesus' name is the most powerful name. And Jesus' name is the most important name. I know I shared this story with you a long time ago. I'll just do it real quick. But that years ago, this came out in the Chattanooga newspaper, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And there was a dress shop, a little, little dress shop there in town. And they had three workers there that day and also a customer. And the customer at the time was back in the dressing room changing, you know, trying on a dress. When an armed robber came in the front door of that dress shop, and he had, I know this is kind of dramatic, but he had a revolver in one hand and a knife in the other hand. And he saw those, of course, three workers, all he knew was in there at the moment, and he, he began to kind of roughhouse them around and threaten them with that gun and that knife and give me all your money or I'm going to kill you, you know. Well, and between the three of them, now this has been several years ago, and this wasn't a lot of money then, it's not a, certainly not a lot of money now, but they, three of them all together came up with $55, which angered him. And he began to get mad and angry more with them and finally got all three of them, threw them down in the middle of the floor there and was threatening to kill them if they didn't. And about that time, he heard the woman in the dress shop who was unaware in the, in the dressing room back there who was unaware of what was going on out in front. So when he heard her, he ran back there where she was at and little old petite small woman, boy, he grabbed her and manhandled, cut her up with that knife a little bit, got, you know, just trying to manhandle her up there and brought her up and just threw her down in there. And, and the newspaper recorded this. So that little woman said she was just petite, said probably not two-thirds that man's size. And said all of a sudden, boy, when he started putting her with those other women, he, she knew that what he was intending to do was kill them. Said she stood up and raised herself up to her full height, not two-thirds his size. And <laughs> said fire glazed in her eyes. And she said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, stop this wickedness right now. And said he just dropped and his mouth flew open. And he turned around, just ran out of the dress shop, down the sidewalk, got in the car where he had a female accomplice, and they drove away. And they were later, of course, arrested by the police. And sometime later, he stood before the judge. And this is what that man said. He said, Your Honor, I never knew a human being could have such power as that little woman had. What did she have? She had the name of Jesus that sent him to his knees, basically. But think about that. I never knew a human being could possess such, such power. So it's not in the strength that you work out at the gym. It's not in those kind of things. Nothing's wrong with that. I think we ought to stay in good shape. If y'all want to look like me, you got to work out. Well, I, I, come on now. Y'all laugh at me, but I've doubled up on my push-ups. I'm doing twice what I was the other day. How many is that? That's none of your business. But it's doubled, and that's good, and it's encouraging. Because you can always do more. You always do more. You, ever, you do push-ups till you just can't do another one. But how many of you know you could do one more? That's right. In the same way, you know, if you made, if you made, uh, William was sharing this morning, you got a $2 raise. If you can get a $2 raise, you believe God can get another dollar raise. Right. You believe God can get another dollar raise. You could, you could do, if you could sell 10 things that, that's in your business, you could sell 10. Well, you could sell 11. That's right. 
Just always push just a little bit more. Amen. God always do a little more. I'm preaching better than anybody shouting. Amen. Only the name of Jesus, write it down. Only the name of Jesus can change weak people into strong people. Think about that little woman, just a little small woman. It made no difference about her size and his size or what weapons that man had in his hands. All that mattered was the name of Jesus is above every name. Every name, above every name. Amen. Only the name of Jesus can change weak people into strong people. Turn with me, if you will, right quick to John chapter 20. And we're going to read verse 30 and 31. Of course, in John's gospel, this is after Jesus was raised from the dead. You know, he was appearing to his disciples. That's the point I'm trying to get to. Turn over to John, if you will, right quick to that. John 20. You've been given that right to use that name. Now, this was when Jesus, just the story we were talking about just a moment ago, verse 20. He resurrected, picked up his body, appeared to Mary in the garden around verse 14, 15. And uh, she said, Jesus, and, and she went to grab him and he said, don't touch me yet. Verse 17, touch me not. Later, in verse 19, he appears the same, it says in the same evening being the first day of the week, verse 19, he appeared to his disciples and said, peace be unto you. And when he had said that, he showed them his hands and side, and they were, his, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, even as my Father sent me, I send you. And he breathed on them, verse 22 says, breathed on them. Why is, is that significant? Well, God breathed into Adam the breath of life. I think he was giving back to man what Adam had lost, the life of God. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost. And then Thomas, you know, he wasn't there. Verse 24, and Thomas was like, I just won't believe unless I see him. And then verse 26, after eight days, he came back and appeared to Thomas. Verse 27, Jesus said, reach hither your finger and behold my hands. Y'all know this story, right? Reach hither your hand, thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord, my God. So he believed. Look down at verse 30. John writes and says, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. So that wasn't the three in that particular chapter are not the only things that Jesus did to prove that he was alive. But it says he did many things that are not even written in the book. Verse 31 says, but these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing or by believing you might have life through what? Through his name. By believing you might have what? life through his name. So through that name, we obtain life. Now that word life there is the word Zoe. I've given that to you before. It doesn't just mean natural existent life, but it means the life of God. Literally translated, what God gave them was life through believing on the name. It says it means God's self-existent life or the life, that life which gives life to the entire universe is the life of God. And that's what Adam lost when he sinned. And that's what Jesus restored back to him and said, if you'll believe on the name, you have that life in you simply by believing the name. So the further or the deeper, if you will, the deeper we get into the understanding of the power in that name, the more life that we're beginning to really express in our lives. You know what was happening when the devil walked into that dress shop through that man? That little lady was expressing and demonstrating real life. And the life always trumps death. If you want to understand the difference in life and death, it can be understood, and the Bible brings it out, as the difference in light and darkness. Think about that. We're in the kingdom of light. We were in the kingdom of darkness. God, remember this in Colossians chapter 1, it says that he has translated us. In fact, it says for us to give thanks to the Father, which has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness. Now, this is talking about the new birth. You've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. 
So we've been translated, and, and then Paul says it several times in the book of Ephesians, you're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. He said, now you're in the kingdom of light. Right. Amen. Now, so, so he describes the kingdom of God and the kingdom of devil as the devil's kingdom being as the kingdom of darkness and God's kingdom as the kingdom of light. Amen. And that's an interesting thing. When I was, uh, oh, I don't know, in the ministry a short time, I didn't catch this when I was in college. I didn't learn it, but I had some college students tell me, and I thought it was interesting in my church, they came up to me and said, Brother James, you know what light is? They'd got the definition of darkness and light. And they said, you know what, first of all, they said, you know what the definition of darkness is? I said, well, I don't know. And they said, well, it, the only way you can define it is the absence of life because darkness itself is nothing. In other words, darkness doesn't exist. There's no such thing as darkness. It's just darkness happens to be where light is not. They went on and explained things to me that I didn't understand right, and I don't know how I explain it to you perfectly either, but they began to say things like this, and y'all can correct me better if you know, but this will make kind of close sense. They began to say things like, Brother James, your coat, it's not gray. I, I said, it's not? You know, they say, you know, I'm just using this example. They say, it's not gray. No, it's just made out of a particular uh, colors and whatever, or whatever you call it, material that reflects gray light or absorbs gray light. Some, some reflect, some absorb. I don't know. I don't understand all that. I'm not a, I'm, all I know is the name of Jesus. In other words, they say to you, that's, that's not an aqua shirt. That's not a blue dress. That's not a red shirt. It's just material that reflects that or picks up or absorbs that light. And that's what you see is that light. Joel was kidding. Tell me about his red shirt a while ago. You know, said, we can find you that way. You know, got the red shirt on. But how, do you understand that if the lights go out, I mean, if you could make it completely dark in here, his shirt wouldn't be any brighter than, than uh, Jasper's black shirt. You know what I'm saying? Because, see, the only thing that makes that red, the only thing that makes that black, the only thing that makes us whatever we are, and don't call me white, by the way. Somebody said, what? You're a white man? But no, what color is this? Does that look like me? That don't even look like my teeth, does it? I, my teeth aren't even white. I'm not a white man. We're all different colors. Everybody, everybody's a different color. I don't remember why I'm on that either. I know you're trying to figure it out, and I'm trying to figure it out. But, but see, but you turn the light out. If you, if you move the darkness, there is no color. There is no light at all. Amen. Amen. See? So, so all, now, now this is the reason I'm telling you this. All that Satan's kingdom is, which controlled us at one point in our life. Hope you're not letting it control you today. But if it's got any hand on you at all, this will set you free to liberate what you're about to tell you. Satan's kingdom, which is a kingdom of darkness, is a kingdom of nothing. It's just the absence of light. And the moment the light comes in on the scene, the darkness has to flee. Amen. Now, you, have you ever noticed that you have blinds? What are the blinds on the window for? Keep the light out. Do you know, if, if you're trying to keep the dark out, you don't need the blinds because the dark don't have a way of getting in. Not if you've got the light on. See, we can carry a flashlight. Now you've got them on your iPhones. You know, you've got these flashlights. But you can carry a flashlight, but you can't carry a flash dark because dark can't flash. <laughs> But, all, but, but darkness seems powerful because all you got to do is turn off the light switch and turn the light and, and darkness takes over. Yeah. But if you want to get rid of the darkness, just flip the light switch. And, and the darkness will go out of this room. Now, you think about this room if it was pitch black because there is no exterior uh, light coming in except through those doors where it hits the mirror, which reflects out of the parking lot. And sometimes there's a car sitting there and reflects a little brighter and it'll put a light right up here on the wall. I know that because I'm here when y'all are not, but... <laughs> But if you could close that where there's absolutely no external light coming in this building, every crack under the door, you make it all completely black. And it's so dark that you can't see a thing in this room. The moment you flip on a light, did you notice that darkness is not slow about getting out? No. You, don't, you, don't, you never flipped on a light switch and watched darkness kind of slowly crawl out of the door. You can't even realize that darkness was ever there. Now, I'll make the substitution, all of that, from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom. 
Satan can have control of a person's life and the moment they flip the light, wow. Jesus is the light of the world. The moment you, and the light of the word, the entrance of his word bringeth light. The moment you flip the light switch, then the light comes on and darkness has to flee. And darkness isn't going to be slow about it either. The brighter the light, the further you push back the darkness. So just let that bright, think about that name. Now every, all of that is in that name. All of it's in the name of Jesus, most powerful name. I never knew that a person could have, a human being could have such power, she said. And here we, we get life. Go back to that 31st verse and underline it. That believing you might have life through his name. So I just want you to see the correlation there that you've got to put more confidence in the name or the more time you spend strengthening your understanding or faith in the name, the less hold that death has and life begins to manifest. There's more and more life. Always more life. There's always more life. So Zoe means God's self-existent life through his name. There was a man, I wanted to tell you a story this morning, how that name works. There was a, this happened several years ago, so you can, you can actually look up this doctor I'm going to tell you about. But there was a man a number of years ago, he was a businessman. His name was Charles. He was a businessman out of Virginia. Had a successful business, had a beautiful wife and beautiful family. He just had one problem that was trying to destroy all that, and it was he was a full-fledged alcoholic. Now, that's the same thing today. That, that word don't sound as strong on a person unless you're battling that, but if, if we'd say today drug addict is more common. Drug addiction, where people are addicted to drugs. Now, there's other addictions. Addictions are addictions. There are other addictions. There's pornography addictions, sensualism. I use that word Wednesday night, I believe it was. Sexualism, you can call it that. But some people are addicted to that, and their lifestyle is hung up on that. And, and, and it, it, everything's got its proper place, but addiction is the overboard area. And it's destructive. Well, Charles had this successful business, like I said, beautiful family, beautiful wife, but he had this alcohol addiction, and he was a full-fledged alcoholic to the hilt. He submitted himself to a doctor by the name of Dr. William Duncan Silkworth. Now, Dr. Silkworth has passed away since. You could look him up. He's an interesting man. He had a clinic in New York City where he dealt with people that had what was common that day was alcoholism. He treated successfully over 40,000 alcoholics in his career. He was the best in the field, the greatest. Wikipedia will will announce him as, as the best in the field that ever lived. Well, Charles went to his clinic and presented himself there and went through the program and had actually finished the program. He was dry, cleaned up, you know, and just feeling a whole lot better about himself and ready to go and, and was about to be released from the program. And Dr. Silkworth called him into his office and said to him, said, Charles said, uh, you're, you're clean right now. You're, you're all cleaned up, free and ready to go, I guess. But he said, I've got a problem. He said, the doctor said, he said, there's a place in your brain that is reserved for alcohol, that you've, you've made it there. And he said, I can't do anything about it. I absolutely cannot help you. He said, I've done all I can do. I've, I've done my greatest work. But there's a place reserved that if you yield to that place, you'll go back right out of here and you'll go back to drinking if the opportunity arises. And there's not a thing in the world. And, and Charles, who wanted for you, never would have put himself in that clinic, said, no, sir, doctor. He said, I want to be free. Get, help me. You've got to help me. You're the greatest in this field. And I came to you knowing that you could do this. And he said, well, I can't help you. There's not a thing in the world I can do. He said, there is another doctor. Dr. Silkworth said, there's another doctor, but he's real expensive. 
He's extremely expensive. And, and Charles said, I don't care. He said, I, I can come up with the money. I've got to have this or I'm losing my wife. I'm losing my family. I'm losing my business. I'm losing everything. I, I can't go back to drinking. I, you tell me who this doctor is. He said, well, he's not moderate in his expenses at all. You've got to realize he requires a lot. He said, I don't care what he requires. I've got to be free from alcoholism. What's his name? He said, well, his name is Dr. Jesus Christ. Wow. Dr. Silkworth said that. He said, his name is Dr. Jesus Christ. Wow said he holds office in the New Testament and said he's available at all times. Available. He's available anytime you need him. He said, then I'll take him and I'll have him and I'll, I'll do, I'll. he said, no, he said he's real expensive. What do you mean he's expensive? He said, he requires everything. You have to surrender your entire self over to this doctor. If you, if you keep anything reserved back for yourself, you'll not experience his healing power. But this is what Dr. Silkworth, now one of the greatest physicians that worked in the area of alcoholism to get people free of that in the world said you cannot find a greater doctor he has total complete healing over you but you have to give yourself 100% to him if you reserve any part of you and he said the more surrender the more power you have and, and Charles's response was who was not a Christian Charles's response was he said then I'll find this doctor I will take this doctor I'll take everything he's got and I'll give him everything I am and I'll receive it and the doctor said then you'll find it and he said, and you'll never, Dr. Silkworth said to him, you'll never need to come back to this doctor's office for my help again, only to come visit me as a friend. You'll never need me, never need my services again. And he said, after he went to his room and got his stuff out, he said, by this time it was getting in the evening and he left, this was in a major city. He said, I just walked out into the streets, not knowing where I was going. I was looking for Jesus, Dr. Jesus, you know. He said, I knew it meant church, you know. And so I went to find a church and he said, I went out. It was a very cold night in, in the city. It was raining. It was mixed with snow. And he said, I walked and I pushed myself just as far as I could go. And he said, I finally came up on this big church. And he said, I just had lost track. Because he said, when, when the doctor said that to me, and I said, well, I'll receive this, Dr. Jesus. He said, a sense came over me that something good was about to take place in my life that I'd never experienced before. And he said, I just had this expectation. It kept driving me down street after street till I came upon this very large church. And, and I just because I had lost track of everything, including the time. And I didn't realize that now it was 11 o'clock at night when I got there. And he said, I'm out there in the cold and the snow and the rain. And, and he said, uh, it just, I wasn't even concerned about the weather or the elements going on. I was just looking for this Dr. Jesus. And when I got to this church, of course, 11 o'clock at night, it was locked. Every door was locked. And there was a small light, he said, coming through one window that just, you know, some, some small light on the inside. And he said, I stood there and I thought, what am I going to do? And he said, I just, for some reason, he said, I reached over, Charles said, and I, I just grabbed hold of one of the rocks at the corner of the building there that was one of the marble blocks that held up that building. That I, and he said, I recognized that was a strength. That rock was strong to hold up this great facility. And he said, when I put my hands on that, I got to thinking about this God, this Dr. Jesus would be that kind of strength in my life like that. Dr. Silkworth said so. And if I could just find somebody at the church, he said, I've just got to find him. And he said, when I did that, he said, just like this warmth came over me. It's almost like something exciting happened. He said, I didn't know what to do because nobody's there at the church. He said, so I reached in my billfold or my back pocket, pulled out my wallet and pulled out a business card. And I got out a pen and I wrote on that business card, dear Dr. Jesus, this is your unworthy servant, Charles. Dr. Silkworth said you could heal any case and you could heal mine. And I surrender myself to you right now. And I give you everything. Please heal me in my body and in my brain. Because Dr. Seltworth said he had a problem in his brain, you know, in his mind is what he was talking about. He said, but heal me and touch me with your grace in my brain and in my body. And I give myself to you 
Signed, Charles. And he said, I just stuck that in the, the mail slot of the door of the church. He said, when I did that and stood there, all of a sudden he said, something came on me. I felt it from the top of my head. It went down through my legs and down to my feet. He said, it was a strength and a power came over me like I'd never had before. Now, now, long story short, of course, he had to then get back his stuff because he was in another state from where his home was, went back to Virginia, and he would come back to that church occasionally because they, they found out who he was through that card going through the mail slot. Right. <laughs> and the pastor said one time, said, now, because he wasn't there regular. This man lived in Virginia. This was in another state. He said, every once in a while, though, Charles would come back and visit that church where he put that right. through his slot. And the pastor said, one morning, we were singing. It was a very large congregation. said, we were singing, and said, we were singing, what a friend I have in Jesus. And so while we were singing that, so all of a sudden the sun shined through one window and it just seemed like a beam went right down on Charles and said, oh, you could see that face. And if anybody had a friend in Jesus, that Charles had a friend in Jesus. And the story ends by this way. Charles never went back to the alcohol in his life, ever. He went through some hard times like everybody does, but he never resorted back to the alcohol because what he gave himself to the Lord that night surrendered in full to the Jesus who was stronger than any other thing. I'm, you hear me? Jesus is stronger than addictions. I don't care if those addictions have been with you since you was a child. I don't care what the addiction is. Jesus' name is above all addictions. But that, that surrender is a big thing. You've got to understand that. Any part you reserve for yourself, he doesn't get. He doesn't get the power over. He, take, he requires total surrender. Isn't that powerful to think about? If we could just learn to surrender to that name. Look at Acts on the screen, right? This is Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And I underline this. I read this to you a couple of weeks ago, but I want you to look at it today. It says, neither is, this is Peter talking. Now, remember when we looked at Peter twice, now two weeks we looked at Peter, where Peter said the man that got healed at the gate of the temple called Beautiful got healed through the name of Jesus. Amen. And then he said it was through his name, he said in chapter 4. And then he gets to this 12th verse, and look what Peter said. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's not, he's talking about the name of Jesus. There is not another name that has enough power to deliver people from their addictions and the problems where Satan has got a hold on in their life. You can understand it better from this translation. This is the contemporary English version. Look at this. It says, only Jesus has the power to save. His name is the only one in all the world that can save anyone. Now, you and I know that because most of us, as far as I know in this room, you've experienced that. But, you know, our job is to get this out to the world. Look at Acts chapter 4. We've got to take this name and be a witness. Get it out to other people. Acts chapter 4. Just turn there real quick with me. Say that name, would you? In the name of Jesus. Say it again. In the name of Jesus. This is after that story that I just mentioned again where they had healed the man at the gate of the temple called Beautiful through the name of Jesus. Peter said, don't look on us like we did it. We didn't have anything to do with this. This was the name of Jesus that healed that man and faith in that name. I believe we got a church full of people that have faith in the name. Amen. And then he said, no other name that can save you but Jesus. Well, then they got threatened. Don't speak anymore in that name. Remember that from last week, I believe it was. Don't preach that name anymore. They said to him in Acts chapter 4, verse 17, that it spread. This is the religious crowd. Look at the 17th verse, that it spread no further among the people. The religious leader said, let us threaten these apostles that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Yes. The devil recognizes the name has power. Yes. The devil doesn't want you to use that name. Right. And I know I said this to you last week or maybe a week before, but in this study is that we ought to get busy about that name. If that name, the name of Jesus makes the devil nervous, I say, let's just give him a nervous breakdown. Yes. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yes. 
You know how when we were little and somebody was talking to us and we didn't want to hear them, we'd stop our ears, you know, not listening, not listening, not listening, not listening. I know some of y'all do that now, I think. (laughs) But what if we did that to the devil? The devil said, well, you know, this sickness, you got the name of Jesus. And the devil said, well, let me just talk to you about what this is going to do to you because you feel this now in the name of Jesus. Name Jesus, 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 Jesus. Well, that name, if it's got all of heaven's power, will keep pushing back the enemy. He won't have ability to get to you. And whatever hold he's had on you has to release, just like the darkness has to leave when you flip the switch. Just flip that switch by using the name. Isn't that good? But we've got to be a living witness to the power in this name. Now, when they got threatened and they said, don't teach anymore in this name, and Peter said, we're going to not listen to you, we're going to listen to God, they went back in verse 23, it says, being let go, they went to their own company. Christian people need to learn to go to their own company. People that believe like you. When you got a problem, don't run to people. It's going to just... Some, some of y'all know and understand that. Boy, if something goes on, you get a symptom in your body, you don't just run and tell anybody because they'll say, oh, so-and-so's sick. Oh, so-and-so's got this. People love, people love to talk symptoms. And you know, you've got to keep that report from some people. I mean, just, I, I told you this before, but I had a doctor call me, excuse me, I had a friend call me one time, a pastor friend, preacher. And he said, uh, Brother James said, I've been praying for you. What's going on? I was going through something physically I, and, and it was pretty major to me it was. And he said, what, what, you, what are you going through? I said, well, I just can't, I'm just not going to tell you. He said, oh, tell me what it is, you know. And a lot of times people say, just tell me so we can pray about it. People want to know, inquiring minds, you know. And I said, brother, I said, I'm not going to speak it. I'm just not going to say it. And he's a faith man. He knew better than that. And I said, I'm not going to do it. He said, why are you not going to tell me? I said, because you don't need to hear it, and I don't need to hear me say it. I don't need that. gives strength to things when you speak the words on it. I'm just going to speak by stripes, I'm healed. That's all that matters. By stripes I'm healed. Well, that makes people mad. Have you ever noticed that? It gets people upset. People love to frame your world. And they don't like your world if they didn't frame it. It's funny like that, isn't it? Anyway, I'll get into that another time. Well, they went back to their own company. Learn to go to people of faith when you talk. Don't, don't say things to people that don't know how to believe yet. I knew, a, I knew a lady, Susan, I knew a lady, a pastor's wife. And she had had three sons. And, and they were believing for a daughter. And... They believed God. She got pregnant. And, but yet at this point in her life, now she had had those three babies at the doctor, just, you know, hospital like a lot of people do. And, and she decided that fourth child, she was going to have that baby at home with the help of a midwife. I think there's another name they call it now. I don't know. But um, y'all are helpful about that much. Zero. Uh, what is it? There's another name for it. What is it? A doula. Yeah, isn't that something? Now I know what a doula is. I was thinking some of y'all were a doula the way y'all act in church, but I'm all right. And so she decided she wasn't, that was just her decision of faith. I'm not going to the doctor on this thing. I'm going to believe God, you know, and, and all. And when she got pregnant, her mother, now she's, a, this is a woman of faith. And she went to, you know, saw her mother and said, Mom, I'm pregnant now. You know, this is a little girl. We believe in God. Have you been to the doctor? No, I'm not going to the doctor. Oh, you better go to the doctor. That might be a tumor. Oh, wow. yeah. No, Mother, it's a baby. No, it could be a tumor. Well, now, now this is sad, but this particular woman who loved, absolutely loved her mother, said, Mother, I'm sorry, but I said, every time I come around you, that's why you're talking. I'm not going to see you till after this blue hair, uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby girl is born. That's what they were believing for, and that's exactly what they had. But said, so I just had to avoid mother during that time. Well, I mean, you've got to watch out who's trying to rob you faith because people, are, people don't understand faith like maybe you've trained yourself. Some people don't go to church as often as you do. They don't grow as much as you do, and their faith is little. They think they got faith, but it's little. And you need people of strong faith. Learn to go to your own company when you got a problem. 
So they went back, verse 23 says, they being let go, they went to their own company, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And then they began to pray and ask God for something. But we're talking about that name. And I want you to see this. Here's how they prayed. And this is the way you and I should be praying this morning. They said, now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Behold how these people are threatening us. It says, behold their threatenings and grant unto us, your servants, that with all boldness we may speak your word. They're wanting us to stop preaching in the name. They want us to stop. But, Lord, you, you help us preach it more boldly. And Lord, this would make us more bold if you'll help us this way by verse 30, by stretching forth your hand to heal, Lord, and that signs and wonders might be done, underline it, by the name of your holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken with God's power where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They spake the word of God with boldness. And look at verse 33. It says, and with great power gave the apostles witness or proof of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. All because they said, Lord, give us your name in a way that it'll just bring healings and miracles and help us do that bigger. And as they did, it brought a living witness to the power of that name. I believe that's where we need to be. If we're going to reach our community, how many many of you have people, co-workers, family members, friends, neighbors that you wish was sitting in church with you? How many of you got people you'd like to see saved, turned on to God? Sure you would. Well, this is how we do it. They, they need witness that this is real. The only reason people don't really attend church regularly is they don't believe it can help them much. They don't, they don't believe it's got anything to help them. But if they start seeing the power of the name and how... I, Brother Copeland used to sing a song when I first got saved about in a little church on the edge of town, they praised the name of Jesus. And I thought, man, I just, Lord, if we could just always be that church that lifts up that name, there'd always be miracles, signs, and wonders. There's power, there's miracles in that name. Smith Wigglesworth said, there's power to overcome everything in the world through the name of Jesus. Now this was a man that raised the dead, healed the sick, cleansed the leper. I mean, this man had all kinds of miracles. Dead raised, documented many times. He said, there's power to overcome everything in the world through the name of Jesus. So how do we become that living witness? Well, we just put more emphasis on the name. You know, if you just start speaking that name over situations that you hadn't even thought about, needs improving. Amen. People would begin to see it and you say, what happened? Well, I've been speaking the name of Jesus over it. Right. Daddy, I see you're, you're doing better. What's happening? Well, I've been using the name of Jesus over my Amen. knees and my back or whatever it might be. Amen. Daddy, I, I, listen, I'm telling you, Susan and I got so busy using the name of Jesus over our finances and the church finances that the most blessed that we and this church has been is from February of this year. February of this year. We have given more, been able to sow seeds more. I wish I could talk to you about that, but I don't have the time. God has done things. Anyway, it's just powerful what God's done. Living witnesses to the power of the name. Now, what do you mean? Well, the more you use the name, the more you experience it. You're not a good witness to share the power of the name until you're experiencing the power of the name. That's what I mean by that, a witness. What, what is a witness? In a court of law, what is a witness? I don't know if we've got an attorney here that would know that, but the answer to that, but it's a, what it means is an, irre, how do you say that word? Irreputable proof. Somebody's got proof that cannot be denied. That's what they look for in a witness. Well, we've got to be that way in the witness of the things of God. And you're not going to experience it. You're not going to have the experience of it without using that name like we're supposed to. You've got to experience it in order to share it. Now, here's the scripture on how the Christian life is supposed to be every day. Look at this right quick. First John chapter 3. Now, first epistle of John. First John chapter 3. Have you found it? This is how the Christian life is supposed to be every day, day in, day out. This is what we're all supposed to do. And, it, and it's laid out right here in this. You just read it a couple of days ago or so. Start with the 18th verse because of time. 
he says, my little children, let us not love. Oh, let's skip, let's skip down. Excuse me. Let's skip down just a little bit. Verse 21, 22. All right, you got it? Look at verse uh, 20, 22 is where I wanted to have you. It says, whatsoever we ask. There's your, there's your blank check, Judith. Think, think about that. That's your blank check right there. Whatever you ask. Everybody say whatsoever. Whatsoever. Say it three times. Whatsoever. 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 Okay, all right. I have to go the fourth time because I, I should have said, try it one time with a smile on your face. Whatsoever. Now, what is whatsoever? Anything and everything. If it wasn't, it'd be, would that be a new motorcycle if you wanted a motorcycle? Yes, it would be. You mean Jesus died so I can have a motorcycle? Yes, and you ought to hold the crown of your head to the sky when you ride and say, God gave me this motorcycle. God gave me this horse. God gave me whatever it is. You need to believe God. There's property in that name whatsoever. You can own your own place. You can own your own home. And you can have your gutters clean. You can have the windows replaced if they need it. It's all in that name. You can have a new kidney put in your body. Have your debts paid off. Oh, I wish we had time to get into that. But you've got to learn to trust God and just get in there with Him. Well, here it is. Look at this. It says, whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Why? How? Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. We can get anything we ask now, I'm going to show you about the name. Now, just keep that in reserve for a minute. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, do his commandments. Isn't that hard? But look at the next verse. And this is his commandment. You want to know what his commandment is? Here's the commandment. That we believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. See, it's not a hard bunch of list of commandments. We believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. Yes, that sums up the Christian life day in, day out. Yes. Believe on the name of Jesus and yes. love one another. Amen. You say, well, it's, the Bible's too many. It's, no, no, here it is. This, this right here covers it all. That's right. Amen. I'm telling you, if you couldn't have any other verse than this verse right here, if, these two, if you just put it together, you'd be doing the whole Bible if you just believe in the name of Jesus and love one another. Amen. Amen. That's where the amen goes. All right. Believe on the name. Quickly, look at Hebrews chapter 1. I told you I was going to get to this, and I wanted to, and some of you are are planning on seeing it, and I wanted to show it to you. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1. Now, this is where Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, this is Hebrews. This is is the record that the writer, Paul, or maybe Apollos, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, wrote this after Jesus raised from the dead. This is something they got in the Spirit. It says, God in different times, verse 1, God at different times and in different manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things. Now look at this about Jesus. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. What's his name? Jesus. Jesus has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things. Jesus is now the heir of all things. Make sure you use his name because in his account is all those whatsoever's that you need. He's appointed him heir of all things, by whom also he's made the worlds. And Jesus, verse 3, is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of God's person. And he's upholding all things by the word of his power. And when he sat down, now watch this, and when he had by himself, when Jesus had by himself purged our sins, where did he do that? On the cross and three days and three nights in hell. When he had purged our sins, finished paying for our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Being Now watch verse 4. Being made. so Now this is important. Circle the word made. This word made is important. When was Jesus made? 
Well, now, now, when he was born in Bethlehem, what we call the Christmas story, that's when he was born of the Virgin Mary. Was that when he was made? No, no, this is not what he's talking about here. This is talking, now, look at what Jesus went through. Can I do this real quickly before we go home? When Jesus came to this earth, now, now, where was he before he came to this earth and was born in Bethlehem? He was in heaven. He was eternal with God. When God said in Genesis 1, let us do this, us was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he said, let us do this. Well, Jesus has been with the Father since the eons of time. Jesus is as eternal as Father is. You understand? There's no, no separation between Father and Son. All right. Now, but when Jesus then was conceived into the, heart of, into the womb of Mary and was three, nine months of gestation and then was born in Bethlehem, that's just when he took upon himself flesh. Right. Amen. All right. And so then he spent 33 or so years here on this earth and then died, paid the price, and resurrected. Now, look what happened in those. He was as full of life... Was he, did Jesus ever sin? No. He was as full of life, as much life as God was. And then he came to this earth. And when he walked the shores of Galilee, he was spotless, sinless. The life of God was within him. But then when he took on our sins, and we talked about this two weeks ago, he became us so we could become him. He, wasn't, he didn't just carry sins. He was made to be our sins. So we could be made righteous. That word made, he was made to be sins. You know what that meant? That meant Jesus is the first person well, actually, the second being the second Adam. Think of Adam back in the Garden of Eden. Now, I'm using this as a timeline. Adam in the Garden of Eden, the Son of God, had that life in him too. But when he sinned, Adam became born again. He was born again from life to death. He was born from God's family to Satan's family. The Son of God became the Son of the devil. And that's why Jesus would say later, Y'all are of your father the devil, he said to the religious leaders. Because they had not had that birth. All right. Now, so when Jesus came, he had the life in him that Adam had lost. Then when Jesus, not because of sin he committed, but by being made our sins, Jesus got born again and it started on him. It started on him in the Garden of Gethsemane when he started sweating drops of blood because he didn't want to do what he went through and said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. I don't want to do it because he knew he had to be born again too. He had to be born again from life to death. From God's presence, light to separate it from God, wow. darkness. Wow. And that's why hanging on the cross, Jesus hung there and, and he said several things, but one of those things he said is, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabetsthani in the Hebrew tongue. And people didn't know what he said. They thought he was calling on Eloi, Eli. They thought he was calling on Eli or something. Elijah, they didn't know what he was doing. And what he was doing, he said in the Hebrew tongue, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabetsthani, being my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now that's the first time that Jesus ever addressed God as God. For 33 years of his life, he always talked about God. He named him his father. He's 12 years old in the temple. Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? My father and I are one, he said, throughout his earthly ministry. And for the first time hanging on that cross because he was made to be sin. He, had, he was no longer the son of God. And he didn't say, Father, Father. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Quoting the 22nd Psalm, I believe it was. And so then he died into the pit of hell as a sinner that we had carried. In us, he carried for us. He became that sin. But on the third day, after three days and three nights, when those, that's what we're reading here in Hebrews 1, 4, when the price of sin was satisfied, God said, again, he'll be a son to me. We're going to read it right here. Watch it. I want you to think about it. Again, he'll be a son to me. That raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus, who had been born again three days earlier from death, from life to death, got born again and is now the first begotten from death back to life. Wow, yes. He came down, in other words, he came down, condescended to where we were into death 
and showed us that you could pass from death back to life by being born again and he's the first begotten of the dead. So now then on the day of Pentecost there was 120 of them got born again. 3,000 later that day and so forth and so on and then eventually our number came in. And when we called on the name of Jesus we passed from death to life. We were born again not by corruptible seed but by incorruptible seed of the word of God. Amen. Because he paid that price. But it all came when words, when Jesus was resurrected, God spent words, spent words to resurrect him. Now watch this. I'm, I'm, I'm just about to close, but you can just look at this real quickly. It says, verse 4, being made. When was he made? When he was resurrected. Yes. Made so much better than the angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So he has a name that is all excellency. It's the most excellent name, name above all names, when he was resurrected. Now, verse 5, he says, for unto which of the angels... Did God ever say at any time, you're my son, this day have I begotten you? But again, he said, I'll be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. So God didn't ever say this to angels, but he said he said it to the son. When Jesus, he said, again, I'll be a father to him. Again, why again? Because there was that three days and three nights that he was not the son of God in the sense of that he had become just like you and I were lost and undone. And again, I'll be a father to him and he shall be to me a son. And again, watch verse six. Again, when he bringeth in the first begotten. See, Jesus is the firstborn from death to life. Into the world, he said. Now, this is the words God used when he brought him back into the world. And let all the angels of God worship him. Why? Because he's got a name above every name. And of the angels, he said, who makes his angel spirits his ministers a flame of fire. But look what he said to the son that day when he inaugurated Jesus in the resurrection. Under the son, he said, thy throne, O God. Mm. He called Jesus God. God called Jesus God. What does that mean? Now, the word God, just, you know, get it. You got to understand this. The word God meant that he had all authority that God ever had. The supreme being who owns and sustains. It literally means the word God there is the word, I think in the Greek, it's the word theos. We get theos means theo, one God. That's why you have theology, the study of God, theos. And, uh, but the idea is a better definition we'd understand like this. God means the supreme being who owns and sustains all things. So when Jesus was resurrected, Jack, God looked at him and said, thou art my son again. This day I have begotten thee. See, he's born again. And he says, now all power in heaven and earth. And I call you God, which means you own and you sustain all things. Now you, you got to catch this. My Lord in heaven. I don't know where you are today. I'm telling you this and put a Baptist and a Presbyterian shouting if you could get this. This is powerful. Jesus is now our representative seated at the right hand of God the Father. I have a representative in heaven who is God. And he's in me and he's in you and he lives on the inside of us and we're seated with him in heavenly places. And when I call on his name, Jesus, all power and all heaven and earth is released in that name and things have to change. So again, Smith Wigglesworth said, there's power to overcome everything in the world through the name of Jesus. So you can put the name of Jesus to work in every area of your life, big or small, if you'll just start, look at this, I close with this on the screen. Look at this real quickly. Mark 16, I remind you, you cast out, you lay hands on the sick, it says in my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. How do we do it? In his name. I'm telling you, don't you let a sick person get past you that you don't put your hands on them and speak that name. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I encourage you to cast out devils with it because the Bible says in my name they'll cast out devils. Are you a believer? Then cast out devils. Now you don't have to go through some long drawn out thing. Just somebody do something. Say I just take authority over that spirit in Jesus name and I bind that. That can't work here. Take authority over lack. 
Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. King James says tower. This, this translation I put up is the Ford Fortress. I'm going to quote it the way the King James says. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Yes. Think of a tower, fortress up yes. high. The godly run to him and are safe. Yes. One tra- now watch this. One translation says, the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into that name and is set aloft. Yes. Set high above all yes. the problems of this yes. world. Oh, that's that name. Where do we run into that name? The godly run to him, to that name, and we are safe or we find safety in that name. I hope you got something out of that today. That name, there is not a more powerful name, and the devil who has no power can keep a believer from using that name if you let him. Just keep your mouth shut, but I'm telling you what, the devil's going to have a hard time keeping me quiet with that name. Now, I'm telling you, you know, I mean, now, if Gary Crosby, if Gary Crosby gave me a book of his checks on he and his wife's checking account, said, Brother James, I've signed all these, there's yours going, I know that man's wealthy. That's right, amen. I'm telling you, Susan, I'd be out to eat today. That's right, amen. Amen, amen. Aubrey would say to Brother Gary on Monday, said, Brother Gary, did you go to Walmart yesterday? No, I didn't go. James and Susan did. I didn't know you could spend $10,000 at one time at Walmart. Listen, and I'm, I, I can't, I can't, 10,000, I can't stress enough the name of Jesus. Come on. Amen. God just put it all in there just wanting you to write checks. And That's right. Amen. Some of us saving those checks in a drawer somewhere. Come on. Stand with your feet. Amen. Amen. Amen.